Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. People don't really realize that when you come to a game, nothing there happens you know, by chance except what happens on the court. There's a lot that goes into making sure everybody there has a good time. Welcome in, Hornets fans, to another Saturday sit-down here on Hive Talk Live, Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. You just heard a small snippet of my interview with Andy Cook. He's a stage manager for the Charlotte Hornets, and he went to China. He was there, not just visiting, he was with actually the NBA uh, to help the Hornets and the Clippers put on that spectacular display both in Shenzhen and Shanghai. He's going to tell us all about it, and and you will get to get an inside look not only into what happened in China, but also what happens at Time Warner Cable Arena every time the Hornets take the floor. And before they take the floor and after they take the floor, it is a giant performance. It takes a lot of people. Andy is just one of them, but he was nice enough to share the experience. So we'll get to that in just a moment. I just want to share my personal heartbreak that the Hornets were not able to end the preseason with perfection. Not really. I'm not I'm not terribly concerned about it. I actually I'm not concerned at all. Because this you know it's funny. This was really a test of of what you think about preseason. I think Clifford is somewhere in the deep recesses of his mind thought, I'm going to see how much preseason really matters to these fans. (laughs) I don't really think he thought that. But it is a great test because you have to understand, I think, as a fan, as fanatical as you are about the Hornets, and this is Hornets talk for the hardcore fans, so we know you're fanatical, we're fanatical, but there has to be some understanding about, hey, this is the preseason We've already had a couple of injury scares with this team. Kemba, Jeremy Lamb, uh, in that Detroit game, even Big Al Jefferson went down and was slow to get up. So you're going to a different arena, you know, Fort Wayne, in a preseason game that really doesn't matter because your starters have shown, I think, what you want the starters to show. You need to get the bench guys some more. There's four or five guys vying for one 15th man position. And you got to get those guys looks. I'm, I'm surprised that Kimba played in the game against Indiana. And Indiana wasn't resting. They played everybody. Good for them. Especially Paul George. Coming off that injury, good for them. But I'm glad the Hornets rested their veterans. Sans Kemba, who only played 15 minutes. I can only imagine maybe Kemba needed to get a couple more reps, just wanted to feel game comfortable. Or maybe Clifford wanted to see Kemba with PJ or Kemba with Troy. I don't know. 
but he only played 15 minutes. Frank seemed to play well. There is one concern, I think, in this preseason. Well, there there are a couple of concerns, I'm sure. The coaching staff is, is picking it all apart. But one concern that I noticed are, are fast break points. So this team, over the past couple of years, under the Clifford era, has made their bones by stopping transition opportunities because transition opportunities are easy buckets. It's easy money. And when you look back on a game, it's the kind of thing that will will bite you. Just like fouling a lot, sending guys to the line a lot. When you look back on it, it's like, oh, that ended up being 15 or 20 points. And the transition defense at times in this preseason has been lacking. And that's a concern in that, again, it was a team identity thing in the previous years. And now you're seeing, like in the Detroit game, getting beat 20 to 9 in the fast break points, getting beat 52 to 20 in points in the paint. But you say, hey, we won the game. Fair point. Fair point. But I think it's still a concern. Because a team that I think is still learning how to be a good offensive team, it's not going to, they're not going to score 100 points a game overnight. This is a learning process. You, you have to be able to stop transition opportunities and not allow the other team to get easy buckets. And a lot of those transition opportunities happen because of turnovers. So there were 15 turnovers in this game against Detroit. And there's been sloppy play, which you'll see in the preseason. And as a fan, and as someone who keeps tabs on the Hornets, you just, you hope, you hope that doesn't carry over into the regular season. So that's the concern. But there's a lot to be really pleased with in this preseason, including the play of Jeremy Lin, who continued to be uh, electric in uh, his opportunity to get to get a start with Kimball Walker sitting against Detroit, Jeremy Lin going five of nine. He did hit a three pointer, eighteen points, five rebounds, five assists in thirty minutes of play. Hey, I think anyone will take that. That's again efficient play. And when you look, it's like Lin eighteen, Batum eighteen, Jefferson seventeen. That's a good big three number. (laughs) That's a good spread out offense because, again, there's no one player that's going to be capable of scoring 25 to 35 a night on this team. Even Jefferson. Maybe you could do it two or three years ago. Now, not so much. Now it might not be prudent. Now his game is kind of archaic. So it's going to take two or three guys playing really well in that starting rotation and then at least one guy off the bench, whether that be Jeremy Lin or Jeremy Lamb or P.J. Hairston, one guy's got to come off the bench and score big. And play big. Troy Daniels also rebounded 
off of a poor performance, which we talked about on the Tuesday show. In 16 minutes of play, 5 of 10 from the field, 15 points off the bench, two three-pointers, nine three-pointers altogether for the Hornets, shooting 36% on the night. And, and it really, it keyed uh, Jeremy Lin, three-point shooting, altogether team play, really keyed the Hornets to victory, a comeback victory in the fourth quarter because, you know, Andre Drummond, was dominating in the paint. And, you know, the Pistons did a great job of getting him in against some of the more inexperienced front-line play of of Kaminsky and Spencer Hawes. And Drummond got to nom-nom. And it should be a concern for the Hornets moving forward. I mean, 52 points in the paint versus 20. The Hornets are going to have to play a different way, find some ways to take dominant centers. You can't take them away. You can't take them fully away. I mean, guys like Drummond are going to get to the spots they need to get to and get their looks. But you have to find a way to limit it somehow. 21 points, not bad. You send them to the line three times, one of six from the line. So that hurts if you're a Pistons fan. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at High Talk Live. Posted a couple of plays from that game. Some things to watch, interesting things to watch. We'll be doing that throughout the year, so you want to check that out. Also, check us out live in person at Fitzgerald's Pub in Uptown Charlotte on November 7th at 6.30 p.m. We're teaming up with Bring Back the Buzz. I say teaming up, but really, we're, we're riding coattails a little bit. This is their event, Charlotte versus Everybody Local arts presented by local artists. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. And the Hornets play the Spurs in San Antonio at 9 o'clock. So you can listen to us at 7, hang out from 8 to 9, maybe catch some of the pregame at Fitzgerald's, and then watch the game. Have some food. Have some drink. Be merry. It should be a good time. Going to be a lot of Hornets fans there. So you can extend the community, form a community. So if you're local, definitely check us out. We're going to be mingling that first 30 minutes, so we'd love to meet you. We'd love to talk to you, talk about the Hornets, talk about the show, what you'd like to hear more of. We're always open to that. We have an outstanding interview lined up in just moments. We're going to talk to Andy Cook. He's a stage manager for the Hornets organization. Started with the team in in 2007. He's also an attorney in South Carolina. He was uh, he went to China with the Hornets with the NBA to help put on the show. He's got some great stories. He started in 2007 with the Hornets organization. He helps put the game on every night that the Hornets are in Time Warner Cable Arena. And he's, he takes us behind the scenes in that environment as well. Super cool guy. Super nice guy to talk to. You'll enjoy it. Let's get to it. You got to go to China with the Hornets. That's amazing. And I'm jealous. 
And I guess what I want to know is what was the reception like when you got to Shenzhen? Because we hear that these guys are treated like rock stars, but you were there. You saw it with your own eyes. What was that like? You know, Kimba got a Kimba got a warm reception, but Jeremy had the biggest, uh, and he he was extremely, you know, gracious to everybody there. And he would stop and took pictures, and you know, it would take forever for him to go anywhere. Um, you know, Al <clears throat> Al had quite a few people coming for him, but, but you know, they didn't they didn't care who it was. I mean, they were so excited to have people over there. They were just as happy to, about Aaron Harrison as they were anybody as they were Kevin. They just, they were excited to have the team over there. Anyone out of that group, obviously Lynn will get a big reception. Obviously Kemba will get a big reception, but anyone out of that group that got a reaction that maybe you didn't expect. When we landed in the first airport in Shenzhen, I was, I was behind Patrick Ewing coming through security and they immediately got excited about Patrick. And it was, and it was funny because you know the security guys are there trying to push us through, and luckily it was late at night and it wasn't really crowded. But the security guards are coming in trying to take pictures with Patrick, and then the you know, the people who are there version of TSA, I, I assume they're coming around taking pictures, and it's just everybody who's supposed to be blocking between us and the fans. They're just, I mean, they're just as big as fans as everybody else. All right, so you land in Shenzhen. You're there. You've got a great reception. What happens next? You go to the arena. What was that like, the the Shenzhen arena? The arena that we used there, it was about 45 minutes outside of downtown Shenzhen. And it was built in 2011, I think, and it was for some type of international collegiate competition. So it was. it felt like an exhibition game. You know, there, there was no luxury suites. It was just floor and then, you know, seats all the way up. There was no luxury seating, no um, club level. It was just, uh, it was almost like playing, say, if we went to, you know, play a game in Greensboro preseason where just that type of atmosphere. Now, Andy, you're a production guy. I'm a production guy. Grew up in, in, in uh, TV production, and we like things to stay the same. We like systems. We like operations. We like things to just not change because change introduces variables. And this sounds like the ultimate change. I mean, you go from Time Warner Cable Arena, an NBA arena, to Shenzhen, China, to this arena that wasn't built for an NBA game. How does that affect your production? We tried to make it similar to that we were producing a game in the States. We, we all of our marketing pieces. So for, uh, like we had NBA 2K is one of the sponsors for global games. So we had a on court challenge for 2K and we had the props and everything. So we just tried to make it feel like we were at home doing a game. But the, uh, the biggest challenge was, just communicating to uh, the fans because, you know, our whole team, we had one person who spoke Chinese and then we had the MC at the entering a host. He was, um, he was kind of our, he was our main liaison between the fans and the arena staff. And we, we had his script in Mandarin and then we had an English copy with me and I would go around with it and I'd say, you know, I need you to say this to this person. and. Yeah, he would translate, and, and that made it a lot easier. But um, 
the actual putting on the game once we got there and had our stuff there was, you know, we operate just as if we were in Charlotte or, or Los Angeles. And it, the better, the, <clears throat> the good thing about over there is it didn't matter what we did. You know, they were excited and we could do something here in Charlotte, a contest and half the people wouldn't be paying attention or they get up and you know, these people stayed in their seats and they were, you know, they were just hanging on for every, everything we did. And, you know, the crowds were just, I mean, they were incredible. This sounds like a really incredible opportunity for you to experience something so different and so interesting. How do you even get an opportunity like this? How did you get this particular opportunity? Myself and the other game night assistant, um, his name's Aaron. He, the two of us actually went over to work for the league. So when we were there, <clears throat> we we weren't actually working for the Hornets. We were working under the NBA Entertainment uh, umbrella. So when when they decided to use the Hornets, they just contacted the front office and said, "Can you send people over here to staff these games?" And you know, our full time people who actually do this in Charlotte, their plates are so full right now, actually getting ready for our home games here in Charlotte that they just couldn't take a week off and go to China to produce these two games. So we filled in this, these two extra spots that the league needed. Now they played the Los Angeles Clippers in China. Did the Clippers send anyone? The only people that the Clippers sent over besides their basketball ops people and you know, front office where they sent their dance team. So we had the Clippers spirit, and the honeybees over there to perform. So the way they treated it was in Shenzhen, the Hornets were the home team, and then in Shanghai, the Clippers were the home team. So the honeybees got to dance twice in Shenzhen, and then the Spirit got to dance twice in Shanghai because just to make it feel as if they were you know, the home team for that game. Now you bring up the Spirit and the honeybees, so I have to ask you, who danced better? I am somewhat biased, but I'm going to have to say that the, uh, the honeybees edged them out over there. Well, one interesting the, the Clippers dance team apparently is filming a reality show with E. So they had a, they brought a camera crew with them that followed them with sound equipment and cameras everywhere they went all week. So they had their own thing going on and you know, we would get them out and do rehearsals and dance. But, so you can look for that here in the near future. And I think it's on E, but they had their own their own thing going on, but I mean, there were there were sweet girls, and I mean, they did a good job too. It's just kind of partial to the honeybees. All right, Andy. Again, you are our eyewitness on the scene, so we have to ask you about one of the most famous things that came out of the China experience for Charlotte, and that's Frank's Frank Kaminsky's great dance moves at the fan appreciation night. Tell us about that. Well, I think everybody's seen uh, Frank the Tank spinning around at uh, half court. But the funny thing is the way we led up to that was we were supposed to have – so the, the way the fan appreciation worked is we had the Clippers came out and did, you know, did drills and layups and just give those people a chance to, to see the players. And we'd have the, we mic'd up the coach, and we did a free throw contest – and then we did a three-point contest. And we were going to do the same thing with the Hornets, but we were going to do three-point contest and the skills challenge. Like it was, I think it's Taco Bell skills challenge or the way they do all-star Saturday night. They weave in and out of the 
the obstacles and do the pass, lay up, and then run back. So we had we had a crew from Yao Ming's school who were doing all our props, and we'd probably rehearsed three hours with these kids to say, this is where you put the obstacle. This, this goes here. And right before we're going to start, uh, Jeremy Lin says that he wants to have a rookie dance contest. So you know, we've got all these props and kids sitting out here about to bring big uh, NBA logo men out on the court. And Jeremy says, I want a dance contest. And we're like, well, that's going to be way more entertaining than us dribbling in and out of cones for the next 30 minutes. So we just scrapped this. And the, the players didn't know it. So we just – I went and got a microphone and gave it to, to Jeremy. And he starts calling them out one by one. But he called PJ. And he called Frank. And he called uh, – Washburn, and it started out, it was going to be, uh, they were going to do Whip and Nene, and Washburn got up there and did it, PJ did it, so then they wanted different songs, so they played the Dougie, and Frank got out there and just hammed it up. Killed it. I mean, nobody, nobody knew what was coming, but the funniest part that they didn't even get on video, where I haven't seen it, is they wanted to do an encore, so Frank goes and takes the microphone off of the scorer's table and just walks out the center court and holds the mic out and drops the mic at half court and walks out. I wonder if that even translates. I don't, I, yeah, I mean, no, but I don't think they really, really knew what was going on. <laughs> but he, I mean, he got, and of course the, the tech guys in the arena are just looking at him like this big guy is just tearing up our equipment. But it was, yeah. I mean, all of our, <laughs> I mean, all of our guys are cracking up and just rolling on the floor. And I really don't know if they had any idea what he was doing. But the the fan appreciation was it was a cool event because all the tickets for that were were free. There wasn't much publicity about the actual you know logistics of these games as far as ticketing. I mean, these are the face value on the tickets for these games were average $500 a piece, U.S. And very, I mean, there's only, the, the arenas are the whole 16, 17,000 people. So you got 23 million people. There's a very select few who actually get, go to, had access to the tickets, let alone could afford the ticket. Um, the fan appreciation, all the tickets were given out for free. So some of the fans there were, you know, people who really wanted to be there really excited and they just um, I mean they had a blast out there and it was it was essentially like all-star Saturday night and we did the three-point we had you know players mic'd up and it wasn't a hornet's moment but the, <clears throat> one of the cool moments of uh, fan appreciation was we did a three-point contest with the Clippers and we would pair a fan with a player and the we had Chris Paul Jamal Crawford uh, Chris and Jamal Crawford made it to the finals and <clears throat> When they got to the finals, they, they tied. They both had 12. So, you know, I'm on a headset with the director, and he says, all right, tiebreaker, rack them back up. And if they tie, everybody wins. So I get the kids, they rack the balls up. And in the tiebreaker, they tied. So I go to Chris Paul, and I say, everybody wins. And he was like, no, everybody does not win. He goes, it's not over. We're doing this again. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I'm standing there. I'm trying to. Push him off court, and he goes, uh-uh, no, no. He goes, we're racking back up. We're, we're going again. I'm You're like, brave. Right. What? Hold on, hold on. You tried to you tried to tell – we just saw what happened when a ref tried to tell Chris Paul yeah. what to do. You're a brave he, man. Uh, no, he, he, was, he was not having it. And, I mean, 
I mean, all these guys, but everybody knows that CP's super competitive. And I told him, I said, everybody wins. And he was like, oh, no, 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 they don't. He was like, we're, we're racking back up, we're shooting. So I, I was like, they're not done. They're going to keep playing. So the guy who's in charge was like, rack them back up, let's go. So then Jamal goes, I think he gets 12. And Chris gets on the money ball. He's at 11, shoots it and walks off and – Splashes the money ball to win by one and just walks off the court. And it was, it was really cool. Well, let me just tell you, Andy, we're happy that you survived that encounter with CP3, that you lived to tell us that great story. Uh, we'd like to hear maybe another great story about team character, team bonding, because look, we read the reports on Hornets.com, the blog from Kemba, and we've heard other unofficial reports that the team really bonded on this trip do you have anything to share uh, on that i i really hate that mkg didn't get to go but he did come to the airport at seven o'clock the morning that we flew out after he had had a surgery and told everybody bye so that was a one cool thing about you know just i guess the character of these guys and you know who we've got now So, Andy, you went to China as a member of the NBA entertainment team, but you're also a member, a stage manager for the Charlotte Hornets, and you've been with the organization since 2007, since they were the Bobcats. Some of the You've seen some of the lowest lows and the highest highs. Tell us about what's changed. I mean, what's, what have you seen over, those, over that period of time? One thing that is that stands out as far as from when I started until till now, pretty much the only department that is still intact from 2007 until now is the game ops department um, and our production crew. Because in 2007, 2008, and especially 2011, we won nine games. The organization relied heavily on production value because people come there and just see the Bobcats lose by 30 points. And so somebody had to entertain these people. And it's just a testament to that production staff to actually keep people entertained. And you know, basketball ops focuses on the court. And then you have this whole other team who, you know, their job is to fill in those gaps between the basketball action. Well, and they do such a great job. And Andy, you do such a great job putting on a show, putting on essentially a production. Take us behind the curtain, behind the scenes. What goes in to putting game night together for the fans? When you go to a game and you hear a big, big pad on the on the PA. Everything that he says is scripted because otherwise it would be utter just chaos. We've got it broken down from the time doors open until the final buzzer goes off. Each piece of entertainment, where the music's coming from, what the lighting situation is. So, for example, player introductions. So we have we have the card that has who the starters are. Pat reads that. We've got another, you know, somebody else telling the lighting crew. You know, we need 
house lights all the way down with specific lighting on each players. Um, the dancers, honeybees have to know that they are in this formation. I mean, the honeybees, I mean, they've got their own whole playbook. I mean, people don't really realize they don't just get out there and run around in circles. I mean, these girls, I mean, they practice, I don't know, three, three, four times a week. I mean, they have, I mean, what they do is very calculated and, Brandy, who's in charge of the honeybees, I mean, she's got, I mean, they work just as hard as anybody. And people don't really realize that they have, they practice just as much as anybody else. Um, and we, we have an actual game script. I mean, it's just like if you're reading a TV show or a movie, there's a script that we go on and we have a director who sits half court. He sits right beside the PA announcer and he's on headset with all of our staff making sure all these pieces move around. Say, so for example, if we do, like a celebrity lookalike on Jumbotron. <clears throat> I mean, we've had people out walking around the arena scouting for the previous two quarters trying to find people who look like people. I mean, it's not the camera guy saying, oh, this guy looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm going to shoot him. All right. Moment of truth. Somebody's life's about to change. We, we've got a list of 20 people and their seat numbers that the production crew in the back saying, if this guy's not in this seat, we'll move on to the next guy, move on to the next guy. So we've, we've got every, every second, every minute is laid out. So there's never any dead, dead time that you're not you know, experiencing something. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. I'd like to end by just asking you what your biggest takeaway was from the Hornets China trip. Yeah, seeing the the influence that those guys have over there and what we take for granted over here as far as struggling to fill an arena at some point. So we're just, you know, we always have it. And these people, you know, when, when it's something that it's just not readily accessible, they, you know, they just can't get enough of it. And it's just being appreciative that we can actually, you know, see these guys, you know, in, in Charlotte 40 times a year and, um, but just realizing that how special it is what we have over here to be able to go on this China trip was extremely unexpected. Um, and I am extremely appreciative of them even you know, giving me the opportunity to go because like I said, I mean, there's a hundred people that work for the team that actually didn't go. I mean, they were still in Charlotte working and they sent me over to China to go watch the games. And, you know, that was, uh, I mean, that was pretty incredible. That's it. That's our show. That's our Saturday sit-down. We're going to be doing this every week. A little recap, a little talk, a little Hornets talk, and then an interview with with someone interesting involving the Charlotte Hornets. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, we're going to be live in person November 7th at Fitzgerald's Pub in Uptown Charlotte. Just a couple of blocks from Time Warner Cable Arena, Charlotte versus everybody an event by Bring Back the Buzz. Follow us on Hive Talk Live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live for more information on that and what we're going to be discussing on Tuesday, live, 6 o'clock p.m. Thank you so much for listening. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We're almost there, folks. The preseason's over. It's time for the real games. It's time for Hornets basketball.
Ace's the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.